in beautiful North Florida celebrating two years of color commentary, it's in black and white. And now your host, the baby-faced assassin of freedom, Jerry Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, patriots of all ages, welcome to a very special edition of In Black and Right, the new definition of color commentary. Now, this is going to be the first in a series of sort of a recap uh, from CPAC 2024, which just recently took place uh, a week ago. And it's, I mean, I'm sadly, I was not able to have the show there, but I wanted to at least find some of the great speeches from each of the three days that I wanted to bring as a reminder and, and for anybody else who didn't have a chance to attend. Now, today... I've got three of the great speeches from day one, but this is sort of my response to Black History Month because we have first up Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida, great guy, had a chance to meet him a couple of years ago down in Orlando. Uh, Also, we have another great speech from North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson who is running for governor in my beloved home state. And to top it all off, we have the great Dr. Ben Carson and his speech at CPAC as well. These are three of the nation's leading black conservatives who, frankly, uh, inner city kids need to emulate. Not athletes, rappers, sports stars, um, and certainly not people like the bald black buffoon of a mayor, uh, Eric Adams in New York, or the equally socialist and goofballish Brandon Johnson in Chicago, and Karen Bass, former congresswoman, who is the mayor of Los Angeles. All three of these cities are very blue, very Democrat, uh, Democrat, and has done nothing to help the inner city. Nothing. So in this program, this special program, I'm going to let these great Americans speak for themselves. And the first one up is going to be Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida. CPAC, how's everything going? You know, I got I to gotta tell you, I've given a lot of speeches but I've never given the opening speech. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure up here. But something tells me you're gonna help me get through this. Is that, is that right, you gonna help me? All right. Well, I, I think the Schlapp's brought up a lot of key points about all the things that are ailing us around the globe. But the thing that's hurting us more than anything is we are divided here at home. We're divided as Americans. We're definitely divided within political parties and political movements. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the House of Representatives. We're divided there, too. But the thing that cures division is leadership. It is not governance. It's not going along to get along. It's not saying nice things. It is leadership that actually helps to cure those divides. 
time has come in America again for us to reassert, or reassert ourselves and bring American leadership back to the forefront of our country. And we talk so much about foreign policy these days and for good reason because Joe Biden has been a disaster as president of the United States. He's been terrible. But let's look at NATO for a moment. A lot's been made about NATO over the last couple of weeks. There was a time where America did have to carry all the freight for NATO because the countries in Europe were rebuilding themselves from World War II. In the spirit of the American people, we were there to do that. We were willing to do that. But now those other countries have to come along for the ride as well. You know, I equate it to some of your great sport teams. Everybody remembers the Chicago Bulls of the 80s. They had Michael Jordan. They didn't have much else. Michael Jordan dropped 63 points in the Boston Garden against the vaunted 86 Celtics. But that Chicago Bulls team lost that series against a better and deeper team. If the world is actually going to have security, then it can't just be America scoring all the points, grabbing all the rebounds, passing out all the assists, blocking all the shots. We need our allies in NATO to step up and do their part. Because see, the one thing we all know, whether it's been sports or whether it's business, when you have a great team working together with a common mission and a common goal, you can accomplish so much more than when you just have that one great salesperson who's just leading the way and dragging everybody else along. The success of Western democracy, the success of, of a Western way of life is predicated on all the nations who love freedom and pursue, pursue freedom for their people to do the heavy lifting together, not just relying on America to bear the burden alone. Yay. It was brought up by Matt about Israel. What happened on October 7th was a tragedy, not just for the people of Israel, but for the world. We were faced with a barbarism that we thought had mostly receded from the planet. And they faced it head on. We here in America, we stand with Israel. We don't equivocate to the radicals who might be in our midst here in America. We stand with them. For Joe Biden to decide that he's worried about his votes in Michigan more than the safety of our greatest ally in the region is terrible leadership. It's part of the reason why our adversaries are on the move. So my view is clear. Israel should obliterate Hamas from the face of the earth. And this is not a statement. This has to be born in fact. On Capitol Hill, we need to go back and do the job of making sure Israel has everything they need to finish that job. Because you can't have somebody come in your home, cause damage, and you do nothing. All you do is invite more of the same. And if Israel is our friend, and I know, CPAC, Israel is our friend, we stand by them, we support them, we do not stand in the way of them, and we want them to do everything they must do 
to secure themselves and to secure the people of Israel. Now, we got to also look at foreign policy here in our hemisphere. The Chinese are on the move in South America. And while we're having these petty squab squabbles amongst Republicans and Democrats, the Chinese have one mission, and that's to put us in a box. So we have to reassert our, dom our dominance in our own hemisphere. No more should we allow communism and fascism to breed in our own hemisphere while we just argue over the stupidest things with each other. I mean, stuff that really just does not matter in the plight and the success of human beings across the globe. There was a time where we actually focused on our hemisphere. And I, I want to be clear on this. This is not a statement of, of isolationism versus being the world's police. It's not that. It's being sober. It's being a realist. It's understanding that America in a dominant position across the globe means the best thing for the people of the world who desire freedom and peace, who want to actually grow an economy, who want their children to be raised up. A globe where China is dominant is a globe that is to the detriment of human freedom. And so we have to do the things that are prudent to make sure that we assert those freedoms in our own hemisphere. There's another statement I want to make about foreign policy. I'm not a forever war guy. Never have been. I'm not. My position is very, very simple. Go kill the enemy and come home. I'm a, I'm a kid of the 80s, so I like G.I. Joe. Like, I just want our military to be G.I. Joe again. I think that's what most people want. That's what I want. If you're going to secure America, you have to secure its borders. You have to. We have 7.3 million people who've come into this country illegally. 7.3 million. And Joe Biden wants to make it an even 10 million. That's insane. No country would ever tolerate this. And so my position to my colleagues on Capitol Hill is clear. You either secure the border or you get no money for the government. would say, oh my gosh, Congressman Donald, you're talking about the government being closed. Uh, are you concerned about that? <laughs> to the people of the press, you got your answer from CPAC. But I tell these reporters when they ask me this, I say, the federal government has one primary job. It is to secure this nation and to secure its people. That's its first job before anything else. The states that ratified the Constitution of the United States would have never, ever 
ratified a constitution that would have allowed the federal government to allow an invasion into the United States. They never would have signed it. Those states would have kept their militias and they'd have said, I'll see you guys later. Maybe we can work some things out. But that document is nuts and there's no way I'm going to be a part of it. So we have to be very clear about this. Joe Biden has a decision to make. Decide, Mr. President. Do you want to close Mount Rushmore so the southern border can be open? Do you, Joe Biden, want to tell the last remaining of our World War II vets that they cannot see the World War II memorial on the National Mall so we can have military-aged men from China and the Middle East come into our country illegally? Decide, Joe Biden, which country matters more to you, the border of the United States or the border of Ukraine? fracking and found out that they were liars about blaming fracking. 
When we started using natural gas, we realized that we cut America's emissions in half over a decade, and it still wasn't good enough for the radical left, because it'll never be good enough for the radical left. And so the only way you defeat them is that you got to have leadership who's willing to stand up to them at every point, and we have that leadership in Donald J. Trump. on the horizon. We have this great new technology called digital assets. And I know some of you, a lot of you, myself included, are concerned about that being used by the Federal Reserve and the Treasury with a central digital bank coin. I don't want the Fed doing anything like that. But if people decide of their own free will to have Bitcoin or any other type of cryptocurrency or to have you know, these tokens or stable coins, if that's what a free people decide to, decide to do, it is not the position of the American government to stand in their way. It should be the position of the American government to allow them to be free and make their own choices because that's the very essence of human liberty. That's the whole reason that the framers wrote our Constitution and they ratified our Constitution, is to protect you, not to protect government. One of the biggest areas we're going to need a resurgence in American leadership is with our own government. These people are crazy. You have an FBI that has been spying on the American people against federal law. You have a Department of Justice that is picking and choosing who they're going to prosecute and when. Joe Biden has violated the Espionage Act. He violated it as a United States Senator. He violated it as a Vice President of the United States. And he should be prosecuted for violating the Espionage Act. I have a security clearance. If I take classified information out of the skiff, do you really think that the Democrats wouldn't prosecute me? Yes, they would. But what you got to have is leadership who's going to stand for the rule of law, that's going to stand for Lady Justice. Lady Justice is supposed to be blind, not political. Lady Justice is supposed to be even-handed, not deciding that a Green New Deal is, is, far, is way more important than, than a basic rule of law that everybody can see and follow. You got this stupid judge in New York with the $400 million fine. What kind, of, what kind of craziness is this? By the way, to you business owners in New York, come to Florida. If you're a real estate guy in New York, you might want to just come on down to the Sunshine State. We would love to have you. I had to do that quick plug for my state. You know, I, gotta, I love my state now. <clears throat> Say make America Florida. Oh, we're going to do that. I want to make one, one clear point, because we talk a lot now about a two-tier justice system. We have to acknowledge that in America's history, there has been a two-tier justice system. There is a reason why a lot of black Americans do not trust the justice system, because there was a time where the justice system was abused against black people in this country. 
It was wrong then. It is still wrong today. Our country is best when we are not a respecter of persons or creeds or political ideology or race. Our country is best when everybody is treated equally under the law. And when you're dealing with radical Democrats who think they know better, who subscribe to the thoughts of Barack Obama, who said that they want to fundamentally transform America, I got news for them. This November, we're going to fundamentally transform the United States government. The last major area where we truly need a resurgence in American leadership is in our culture, and it's with our children. Man, just let kids be kids. Let them be kids. Little boys are little boys. Little girls are little girls. When I was a little boy, I liked little girls. This is a good thing. This is the natural order that keeps society progressing. We also have to understand that the greatest environment for the success of a child is a two-parent household. Look. CPAC, families aren't perfect. We all know this. If you sit there, like nobody, nobody clap. Families are not perfect. Everybody's family got something going on, okay? But even in that imperfection, it is better to have two parents in a home than not. I'm the product of a single parent home. My mother did everything for me. Things between my mom and my dad didn't work out. I love them both, but it didn't work out. I know firsthand having two parents in the house is better than having one. And that's not to diminish the sacrifices and the love and the strength that my mother had. I mean, listen, you want to see strong? Go meet a single black mother, man. They strong. Strong. Tough. But we got to understand that the formation of the family, that is the thing that sets the basis of culture in our country. So kids grow to be adults, and they form their own families. Their success in the family unit breeds America's success in our country. And our success actually breeds success in a much better world, in a much safer world. And this isn't about nation, nation building. This is about doing first things first at home, making sure America is in position at home. Being focused on and focused on and solving our issues here at home. Because when we do that, the Chinese can't stop us, the Russians can't stop us, the Iranians can't stop us. Nobody can contend with a strong and prosperous America. So CPAC, this is where I leave you. I just want to tell you this. The type of leadership we need is not leadership that looks to just get along with everybody. If you look back at Michael Jordan or Tom Brady or Bill Belichick or Mike Shanahan, they were tough. They would say things you would not like if you were on those teams. But they held everybody accountable. They were focused on the mission of success. 
We would cheer for them if you're a Patriots fan or a Bulls fan. If not, you were booing them. But you would cheer for them because you're like, oh my gosh, look at what they're accomplishing. If that works in sports, if it works in business, shouldn't we have that type of leadership in our country? We should. We have to have leadership that holds our government accountable. We have to have leadership that's going to have a bold vision of what we should do and not be afraid of polls of what people think we might be, need to do. we got to have leadership that's going to say tough things when we need to hear them. And we have that leadership this November in Donald J. Trump. God bless you, CPAC. Another great speech by Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida who actually had the honor of being the opening speaker on at the beginning of the conference this year which is quite an which is quite an achievement because usually you get uh, a, maybe someone who's a little better known but anyway Congressman Donalds once again hit it out of the park next up on our sort of black conservative hit parade is North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. All right, the, the big bad timer says I only have 12 minutes. Now I have 11 minutes and 31, 30 seconds. So I got to get started right now and get this going. So the very first thing we're going to do is always, we're going to give thanks to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <clears throat> do it every time I speak because we live in a blessed and prosperous land. When Americans get up out of bed, I believe the first thing they should do is thank God. Because God is the reason why we are the way we are. He's the reason why we have our freedoms. Our freedoms came from Him. They don't come from man. And we should give thanks every day because of that. We should give thanks for the blessings that we have in this nation. So we give Him thanks first and foremost. Well, let's get right into this. My name is Mark Robinson. I'm the 35th Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. First black, first black Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina. And I'm running to be the governor of North Carolina. That's right. And as we travel the state, we like to tell people the story of how Republicans have turned North Carolina around. Prior to 2010, North Carolina was three to six billion dollars in debt to the federal government. We were furloughing state workers, not because we didn't need them, but because we couldn't pay them. Teachers didn't get a raise for six years. Nobody wanted to come to North Carolina to do business. Taxes were too high. Regulations were too stiff. Then Republicans took over in 2010. And now, 13 years later, not only do we find ourselves not one dime in debt to the federal government, we have a $5 billion surplus. And for two years running, North Carolina is the number one business destination according to many major publications. We're on firm financial footing. Everyone wants to come to North Carolina to do business. And despite the fact of the ills that we see at the federal level with inflation, with the workforce issues, the supply chain issues, small business filings in North Carolina are at an all-time and record high for the last two years. Why? It's not by happenstance. It's not like this article that the ABC News did the other day that said, red states are doing better economically, but it's because they're warmer. It's because conservatives do this little pesky thing that leftists don't like. 
policies and they yield a desired result. And it shows in how our states operate. Yet still the news media, they never want to talk about that. I can give a 25 minute speech. 24 minutes of it will be about what I just told you. It will be about that. It will be about making reformations in our education system. It can be about giving parents the right to control their children's educational destiny. It can be about raising the stature of people all across our state and taking them on a journey that sees them increase their financial fortunes, their educational fortunes, and their futures. I can mention 30 seconds about why men shouldn't be competing in women's sports. And that men ought to go in their own bathroom, not in the women's bathroom. And when the leftist news media reports the next day, guess what the article is about? The article is about that 30 seconds. You see, they don't want to talk about the fact that California is falling apart and Florida is flourishing. They don't want to talk about the fact that New York is in a shambles. And North Carolina is on firm financial footing. They don't want to talk about the great things that are going on in, uh, in Arkansas and other places where great conservatives are at the helm doing great things. When it comes to that, the news media is silent because they don't want to admit one thing. The left is wrong. They are wrong on every topic, on every issue. They don't have a political leg to stand on. They don't have a social leg to stand on. They don't have a spiritual leg to stand on. They have nothing to stand on because they do nothing right. In every state they're running, they're running it straight into the ground. It's a pesky problem for our news media. They despise that. Whenever they mention my name, they always mention my name in, in conjunction with social issues and how I hate everybody. According to them, I hate everybody. I hate people who walk and talk and walk upright. Oh, I hate people who drive cars. I don't hate anybody. Because what I'm doing is not about hate. And what you're doing shouldn't be about hate either. We should be operating because of what we love. Let me take it biblical for you. You know that battle between David and Goliath? You know why David won? He didn't win because he hated Goliath. He won because he loved God. And God was with him. So we have to what we love. And what do we love? One word. Freedom. That's what we love. We love freedom. And if you notice... That same news media doesn't want to talk about how bad California is doing. But it's always demonizing a guy like Mark Robinson or Ron DeSantis or, or that fellow that needs to be in the White House right now, Donald Trump. They don't ever want to talk about freedom. Oh, they want to talk about freedom when it comes to what they like. The freedom for you to choose your gender. The freedom for your minor child to choose their gender behind your back without your permission. The freedom for a man, a grown man, to compete against women in sports. Oh, they're all for those kinds of freedom. 
But they're not for real freedom of speech. They're not for the right for you to defend yourself and own firearms. They're not for the right for you to be able to express yourself through your religion. We've got to get back to that, folks. In essence, that's the reason why we're here today. That's why we're here today. We're not here today to see celebrities and see politicians and to see ourselves on television. We're here to spread the message of freedom. We're here to stand up for the freedoms that we love. The other night, I was, I was watching a documentary about World War II seven-part documentary about World War II, and I turned on an episode of it. And right from the very beginning of the episode, tears start to stream down my face. And I was sitting there watching this thing, asking myself, what is wrong with you? Are, you? are you turned into an old man? What is wrong with you? Are you going soft? What's wrong with you? Why are you crying watching this? And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. I wasn't watching a movie. I wasn't watching Saving Private Ryan or Full Metal Jacket or I wasn't watching some Hollywood war movie. I was watching the stories of the people who have sacrificed their lives, not their fortunes, not their jobs, not their stinking political careers, sacrificed their lives for our freedom. Do you know how many people are laying in their grave right now? Gave up the opportunity to marry. Gave up the opportunity to have children and a family. Gave up the opportunity like I have to see their grandchildren come on this earth. And they gave it up so we could sit here today. You know how many sacrifices that have been made for this country have been great and terrible. Well, now it is the time for us to sacrifice. When I hear a politician, an elected official say, well, you know, I don't want to speak about that issue because it might affect my re-election campaign. I have no use for you. You stand on the shoulders of young men and women who, when it was time to face down the enemy, were willing to give their lives for you. And you stand as a coward who won't do your duty in Congress or the Senate or back at home in your house or your, or your Senate or even on your city council or board of education or as the mayor refused to stand up with the guts to fight against the people that want to destroy this nation. Can't have that anymore, folks. We need warriors. We need warriors like President Trump who is literally spending his golden years fighting for the survival of this nation. Fighting for the survival of this nation. Because we need to get back to standing up for the freedoms we believe in. And what are the freedoms that we believe in? They're the same freedoms that Crispus Attucks gave his life for at the Boston Massacre. That the men on Bunker Hill stood in defiance against the British for same ones at Valley Forge and the same ones who were fortunate enough to stand at Yorktown to see the victory. They're the same freedoms 
Battle of Little Round Top was fought for. The battles of Gettysburg and Fredericksburg and all those terrible battles of our Civil War. They're the same freedoms that the Red Ball Express and the Tuskegee Airmen and those boys from Bedford, Virginia at D-Day fought for and those Marines at Iwo Jima fought for. They're those same freedoms. So I urge each and every one of you as we move forward this year and we think about what's at stake, when you think about that wide open border, when you think about this out of control crime, when you think about this dastardly government that has its head in its rear end instead of being at the helm of the government like it should be, you think about those people who sacrificed who came before you. You get ready to sacrifice and then let's all get together and do the thing that we need to do. Protect freedom in this nation. God gave it to us. Now it's time to defend it. God bless you all. God bless the great state of North Carolina and God bless the United States of America. Thank you. Well, whew. I don't think Mark Robinson gives speeches. He gives sermons, <laughs> messages, because, I mean, he's probably, I think, more preacher than politician, but hey, the man has made history, and I believe, as the first black lieutenant governor of the Tar Heel State, and I believe he will once again make history as the first black governor of the state of North Carolina, and he will do it as a Republican. <laughs> Gotta love that. Uh, but, of course, to top this all off, last but most definitely not least, HUD, former HUD secretary under President Trump, internationally known and renowned pediatric neurosurgeon, Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, and, well, I'm just going to let the good doctor do what he does so very, very well. Thank you, CPAC. It's great to be with a group of hard-working American patriots who love their country, love freedom, and love their faith. And our nation was built by men and women who never backed down, never gave up, never ever apologized for who they are. It is this American spirit that lives on in patriots like you. And it's comforting to see so many people who keep the spirit of 1776 alive. But as we gather here today, I really want to discuss an entirely new threat to our country. Just a few miles up the road in Washington, D.C., an entirely different scene is unfolding. Our government and our legacy institutions are losing credibility in the public eye at breakneck speed, even though their systematic takeover of America has been going on for years. The federal bureaucracy, the mainstream media, academia, Hollywood, big tech, and every other nexus of power in America today has turned its fire against conservatives, against Christians, against anyone who stands in their way. I call this the crisis of legitimacy in the United States government. America was founded on the notion that all political power comes from the consent of the governed, and that sovereignty does not belong to any one official or institution 
but it belongs, belongs to we, the American people. The reality, the reality is that the government in Washington, D.C. no longer represents the people it claims to serve. And it has stopped even pretending to execute the charge laid out by our founders, the protection of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Put simply, Washington is losing its legitimate claim to govern the American people. Millions of Americans look around and wonder, what's becoming of their beloved nation? They don't, they don't recognize the place that they grew up in. And they wonder what kind of future is in store for their children and grandchildren. Young men, particularly young white men, aren't signing up in great numbers for military anymore because they don't want to fight for a country that hates them. They don't want to die halfway around the world to protect the borders of Ukraine or Taiwan or any other country on the earth when our own border is being overrun by the millions with terrorists and cartel members and human traffickers coming in every day. They don't want to join a fighting force that is more concerned with woke activism, gender inclusivity, LGBT issues than it is with protecting Americans. They don't want to be part of an operation that spends trillions of dollars abroad while the small towns they call home are falling into dissolution and our communities are being ravaged by drugs and depression while their jobs are shipped overseas without a second thought. And they don't want to fight overseas just to come home to a country hell-bent on vindictive identity politics that promises to take what little social and economic capital they have left and redistribute it to racial, sexual, religious, and other minority groups as a pure power play by the radical left. Who can blame them? And how long can a country last in that way? It isn't just happening in our military either. As we see every day, virtually every single institutional power in our country has become openly hostile to conservatives, to Christians, to our country's legacy, and even the concept of Western civilization itself. Our education system has been taken over by radicals who push insane political ideologies like CRT, DEI, transgenderism, and more on our poor children while they no longer even learn basic reading, math, civics. They come down with the full force of the law when a student tries to open a Bible or say a prayer in school. And you know, they're putting all this stuff over on our young people who have brains that are not fully developed yet. And to take somebody who's curious and impressionable and infect them with these kinds of things is nothing less than child abuse. Uh, Inflation, gas prices have risen so high that everyday American families struggle to even put food on the table and gas in their cars. And Washington's solution? Double down on insane environmental policies like the Green New Deal, mandatory electric vehicles. Even though other countries pollute at far higher rates than we do, 
And we're sitting on some of the largest untapped oil reserves in the world. Our borders are wide open. An estimated 10 million illegal aliens have invaded our country since Biden took over, which is more than the population of 40 of the 50 states. A civilization cannot sustain itself this way, and we have no idea who these people are. They could be terrorists, spies, cartel members, or human traffickers, and they appear to be mostly military-age males. They could be affecting things like our cell phone systems and whether they work appropriately every day. And I guarantee you there's a whole bunch of stuff that they're going to be doing. All these people coming here are not our friends. The leaders in Washington won't enforce the law and protect you from the rampant crime that is destroying our inner cities and making them unlivable for families and children. And they even want to take away your ability to protect yourself by attacking lawful gun owners and slowly abolishing the Second Amendment. Meanwhile, they let hardened criminals out of jail while peaceful pro-life protesters and patriotic grandmothers who walk into the Capitol on January 6th are facing a decade or more in prison. Think about that. Think about that. And this is at a time when we lived through the summer of BLM and Tifa protests, burning down cities, destroying businesses, looting stores, with support from government officials and the biggest corporations on earth. The law is being used to constantly harass upstanding citizens while the real criminals go untouched. To our leaders, you and I are the enemy. Not the carjackers and the looters and the criminals who are running rampant in our cities. And now our justice system has been weaponized against the administration's top political competitor with absurd witch hunts from every corner of the country. It reminds me of the old Soviet slogan, you show me the man and I will find you the crime. They are throwing everything they have Think about it. Everything they have, they're throwing at President Trump because they're desperate to stop him. And they're desperate to stop you and me. Trump's only crime is representing the American people first. And for that, well, for that, they're trying to put him in jail for the rest of his life, tie him up in court, take all of his assets, they are terrified of him. They are incredibly unfair. And if we allow this to happen, America will never be the same again. We have to stop it. It also seems like nothing even works in America anymore. Our public transit is unusable. Our streets are full of homelessness, litter, and filth. Think about all these things that are happening to us. And we need be thinking about who does the best job that they're tasked to do, not diversity and inclusion and all of this stuff. You know, we've made tremendous progress in those areas, and we don't need the government interfering and telling us who and what we should be doing. It really is ridiculous. And, you know, I'm the uh, chairman of the uh, 
Committee on uh, Nominations and Governance of one of the Fortune 500 companies. And uh, Glass Lewis recently said, don't vote for Carson because the number of women on our board decreased to 25% after we added someone. They said, don't vote for Carson. How stupid are they? Because then if I leave, they got a diversity problem. So, <laughs> fortunately, the stockholders didn't pay me any attention. But, you know, our elections are rigged. The legacy media <laughs> lies with impunity. And the government is just interested in power and control. On top of it all, we have a president who doesn't seem to know where he is half the time and often can't make it through a sentence and who a special counsel determined wasn't even mentally aware enough to have a trial. Now, if he can't be tried, he certainly can't hold his own at the negotiating table with world leaders in places like Russia, Iran, and China. So what makes him fit to be president? Think about it. It's total incompetence from top to bottom. And their solution is just chaos. Doubling down, continuing to lie, and counting on people being uninformed so they can tell them anything they want. And in the face of all of this, they're trying to gaslight us into rejecting what we see with our own eyes and say that none of this is really happening. We've come to an inflection point where big tech and the legacy media no longer reflect market demands, but they are instead using their money and influence to manufacture political consensus and shift public opinion in a non-organic way. Then they point their finger at us and say that we are the problem and tell us to disbelieve our own lying eyes and stop giving in to conspiracy theories. But the reality is that when the interests of all of our elite institutions are perfectly aligned and there's no need for a conspiracy at all. These people all went to the same schools. They believe all the same things. They're part of the same social, social circles, circles. And they attend the same elite cocktail parties. Washington has become a big revolving door of government bureaucrats, defense contractors, big tech operatives, and political lobbyists who jump from the public sector to the private life and back again every couple of years. Their ideologies are perfectly aligned, even if there's no central mechanism directing each of them individually. But the simple reality is that every American is struggling, and they can only hide that fact for so long. There's nothing radical about what we, the people, are demanding from our elected representatives. We want safety and security. We want freedom of speech and to practice our religion as is our God-given right. We want secure borders. We want a government that puts our interests first. These are things that used to be the norm in this country. And none of these demands are extreme or outrageous. They should be the simple baseline of legitimate political leadership. All of this is a searing indictment of our ruling class. It shows exactly why Washington, D.C. is losing its legitimate claim to govern the American people. 
It was the late lieutenant turned academic Sir John Bagot Glove who first shared the ideal that the average lifespan of a superpower is 250 years or about 10 generations. For those who keep track, our 250th birthday is coming up soon, July 4th, 2026 to be exact. Yet our leaders are determined to repeat every mistake that led to the collapse of empires before us. Here are just a few of the common themes from history. Mass immigration and infiltration by foreigners who don't share our values and culture or even our language. A loss of public morality, excess indulgence in wealth and luxury while shifting away from frugality and hard work. Rising inflation and massive amounts of public debt without a control spending. Entangling foreign alliances and overcommitting ourselves to the defense of other countries. And finally, a rejection of religion, order, and even the concept of truth itself. And I have to say, as we reject God, we are spiraling downward. We need to bring them back in a hurry. You know, this rejection of the past has always been at the core of the progressive movement. And we see it everywhere. As progressivism has attacked our history, our heroes, and our inheritance itself, a country, and indeed any civilization that attacks itself like this, has lost its will to live and cannot survive. But in my travels across the nation, I'm encouraged because I meet thousands of God-fearing, liberty-loving American patriots who will not let their country be taken from them without a fight. As we enter the turbulent days ahead, we must stay true to our foundational values and true to our faith. We are Americans, and our nation was founded on trust in God's divine providence. With this guidance, I'm filled with confidence that the American spirit is still strong and will reemerge from this challenge bigger and better than ever before. We are the people who settled a vast and untamed wilderness, laid the railroads, put a phone in every home and a car in every garage. We are the people who built the skyscrapers, who engineered the bridges and the canals, who created the interstate highway system. We raised millions of people out of poverty. We took flight at Kitty Hawk. We stared down evil in its face and defeated Nazism and communism in the 20th century. And we unfurled our glorious American flag on the moon itself. We will not be like other superpowers who fought and forgot their values and rejected their past and fell from glory. Our great American story cannot end this way. It will not end this way. The tides are turning in our favor. And the simple fact is the American people are not going to let our nation go. We understand the laws of nature, the nature's God, and people who oppose those never survive. We won't survive if we oppose them. But as we enter this pivotal year, I hope that we all look to the heroes of our past to guide us in the present. We turn to scripture for our inspiration. We pray to God for the guidance we need to take back our country. I'm filled with hope for the future. 
and confidence that America's best days are still ahead of us. Together, we can become the storage shiny hill on the city. Now, let me change that. The shiny city on the hill. Once again, and secure the blessings of liberty to our children and our grandchildren for generations to come. And we must remember that we, the American people, are not each other's enemies. And we cannot succumb to those who are trying to divide us on the basis of race, age, income, gender, religion, political affiliation. We are neighbors, friends, and colleagues. Don't let anybody tell you that we are enemies. We are not, and our togetherness will save us. God, thank you. God bless you, and God bless America. And finishing up today's special episode is the one and the only Dr. Ben Carson. My friends, I wanted to do this particular episode because I want to get the very clear message to anyone who is of the opinion that somehow conservative-leaning black Americans are sellouts or whatever pejoratives that anybody likes to use. Nope. This year, with CPAC and these three outstanding black Americans, is to get the message to some of y'all once and for all that black conservative is not an oxymoron. No matter what black liberals on in media say or anything else. These are great men. They are great leaders. And frankly, if you're, if inner city kids aren't learning from these guys and listening to these guys, they're doing themselves a disservice because frankly, you got a better shot of being a leader like that than going into a professional sports or anything else. But with that in mind, my friends, I'm going to call this a day. Thank you for this special episode. This is only the first in a series of CPAC 24 highlights. Uh, more coming in the next few days. So take care, everybody. God bless. Have a terrific rest of your day. And always remember that patriots come in all colors.